thing is, if uh, Ron Hurd wants to come up, he's going to be our speaker. He's a young man from, a, he's a, a minister. His father is uh, Ryan Hurd, or Richard Hurd, who's one of our leadership guys. Ryan is a, a minister at Cross Point Church, and he's going to talk a little bit tonight for us and, and kind of help us with our walk with Christ, kind of show how it works with older men working with younger men and younger men working with older men and kind of walk with each other and how that looks. So I'll introduce you to Ryan Hurd, and he'll take it over from here, okay? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Well, it's really an honor to be here. I, I don't. I wanted to come to Connecting Point last year, but I uh, have a small group on Monday nights and kind of a small group Bible study that I've never been able to really get away from. But we have a. Uh, I got a co-leader who's who's kind of running it tonight, which is awesome. So I, my dad has spoken so highly you know, of, of just this men's group, our leadership. Um, by show of hands, so this is my first time here. If this is your first time here, raise your hand. Let's just see. <clears throat> so I just want to commend you guys. I mean, I don't know how. Yeah, let's, let's welcome them. <clears throat> I don't know how, how any, you know, everybody got connected in some other way, um, whether it's word of mouth or whether it was through maybe a membership class or whatever. But... I mean, everybody was at one point a first-timer. So welcome, and I've felt welcome just coming, and I hope that those of us who are maybe regular will reach out to somebody who you don't recognize. Um, that's how it really begins, is just by relationship. Um, tonight, I really just want to take a little bit of time to, to speak as a brother in Christ. So I'm 31, recently engaged, and will be married on November 22nd. I've spent the last, easily last decade, uh, investing in college students. So I live, at, live in Clemson, whether you like them or not. I live in Clemson or Seneca, work at a church right there in Clemson called Cross Point. I've spent most of that time invested in college students. One thing I realize is college students can easily think, I mean, they just can surround themselves with only college students. And it's easy to come out of that and... That's kind of what you've been trained in, and, and you don't yet know the benefit and the value of relationships, deep relationships with brothers in Christ that are ahead of you um, in, in this walk. And I just want to speak as, as a 31-year-old, as a brother to you, and encourage each of you in the men's ministry at Brookwood that... We have an opportunity in the church, at Cross Point, at Brookwood, at anywhere, to display to the world a unique unity that, that brings people together in deep relationships, meaningful relationships across any kind of boundary, racial, socioeconomic, generational. It crosses all boundaries because we have the same Lord, we have the same purpose, we have the same identity as sons of God. And so I just want to encourage us tonight, encourage you to consider your life, your relationships, and how might God want to use you to potentially step out, not only to relationships on a peer level, but even to step across boundaries and maybe engage a young man of another kind of generation, maybe who you feel like you might not be able to relate to, or you know, because you don't ever know on their side of things, they might think 
you're uh, intimidating for some reason, even if you're not displaying that. They might just be afraid to initiate relationships with an older man. Um, But I really want us to see in the text uh, through scripture how vital it is that we have one another in our lives. And and I just want to pray and then I'm going to share a brief moment about various men in my life that I can go back and just say, I bear their fingerprints. I mean, think about it in your own life for just a second. Maybe one or two men, maybe three men come to your mind. Whose fingerprints do you bear the most? And why do you bear them the most? Who has shaped you? And I want us to see that you have the opportunity to be that in someone else. On a peer level, right here at your tables, 100%. But even, even as a man, an older man to a younger man, who doesn't have it all together, doesn't have to be perfect, but who can just genuinely say, listen, I just want to live life with you. I want to learn from you. And if I have something to share, I want to teach it to you. And, then, and I want us to be a unified body in, of Christ, of brothers. So let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in. Lord, we thank you uh, for the unity of the Spirit God, we just stop right now and just say that we're only here because of Jesus. Um, We're only here because you have come to this world you made. You have chosen not to just destroy sinners, but to save sinners and to call them into relationship with you again through Jesus, his, his life and his death, his burial and his resurrection. And God, I just thank you for him and thank you that we're restored to you through faith in Christ, what he's done for us on the cross. And I just thank you for every man in here. I don't know where they are in their spiritual walk and um, how they got here, why they, got, they came, but you have them here and have us here for a reason. And I thank you, Lord. I just pray that you would work through this. Um, pray that you would bring sin to, to surface. Would you lead us to repent? And God, would you strengthen this body of men here to, to cast off anything that entangles them and to walk forward into a greater relationship with you and greater relationship to other brothers. I pray for the men of Brookwood. God, that men across generations, across race, across any kind of divide that we could look at, I pray that there would be great unity, uncommon unity that the world looks at and doesn't understand, but as you said, Lord, that the world will know we're your disciples by, the, by how we love one another. And I just pray for these brothers and ask that you would work through your word in this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So normally when I would teach, there's like a home passage, just kind of one text, kind of a, a home base. This is a unique one because we're going to be uh, looking just at the glimpses of Paul and Timothy's relationship, and there's not just one place that just really completely illustrates it. I mean, different aspects of the text illustrate that. We could look at various relationships throughout the scriptures, um, but I think Paul and Timothy do, do illustrate a great, a great deal of what God's heart is in relationships. Um, but as I look back on my life, I think about who are some of the men that have shaped me. I'd start with my dad. Um, I just would say, I never have once in my life 
question his love for me. Some of you in here maybe can't say that with your relationship with your father. Um, I can thank the father for that earthly example here, but um, never have... Never have questioned his love for me. Never have questioned his support, ever. Always have had that assurance and still have dealt with my own insecurities. But uh, I think of other men. I think of, you know, as soon as I became a Christian, I was 16. And I was invited to a church. I started going to youth group at Mountain Creek Baptist Church, right over there off State Park Road in Greenville. And um, one of the first men to pour into me was the youth pastor, Brad. And I just finally saw in him what joy in Christ looked like and what uh, evangelism looked like. I mean, he just had a passion that I don't have and I want to have. I think about a man named Mark that was in that church whose wife dove into a pool when she was early 20s, newly married. She dove into a pool head first, hit the, hit the um, pavement, I guess the bottom of the pool, was paralyzed for the rest of She's still paralyzed, I mean, paralyzed for the rest of their lives. And to watch Mark selflessly love his wife, joyfully, selflessly, sacrificially love his wife, and it's no burden to him. I mean, to watch a guy, I don't know a guy that worked harder than him. These are some men, I mean, I can keep going. One of the first guys I was in youth group, I didn't know what a small group was. I didn't know what a Bible study was. And uh, the guy named Fred walks up and he's like, hey, I want to start a Bible study with some of you. And I've, I've asked a few guys, would you want to be part of it? And I was like, yeah, I was a brand new believer. And I, I was a sponge. I soaked in things. I spoke, soaked in so much knowledge and just passion for Christ that if he hadn't stepped out there and just initiated, I don't know what would have happened. But by God's grace, he stepped out. I mean, I could keep going. My pastor David at the time was just instrumental getting to, I dated his daughter at the time and I got to see what it looked like for him to lead his family spiritually, see his sin, see him repent. And what I'm telling you here is not, I'm not telling you about exceptional great men. I'm just talking about real men who just said, look, you can, I wanna, I wanna invite you into my life. I want you to see my life for better or for worse I don't have all the answers. I'm just going to live this out before you. And then I come to Crosspoint where I work now. Our senior pastor, Ken Lewis, and other pastors, Jeremy Chastain. I mean, disciplers who would be the first to tell you they're not perfect. I see their sin. I see their failures. And yet I see their example. And I just say all of this because I want to say we're all shaped by men. I have been shaped by so many men. My father, starting right here with my father, and then so many others. And you have to. You bear the fingerprints of so many men. And I just want to say, you might not feel, uh, <clears throat> you may not feel worthy, adequate, um, equipped to influence someone younger. Uh, someone in their 20s or their 30s or their 40s or maybe in their teens. But if you know Jesus and you know that bottom line, you need Jesus, you're a sinner apart from him, but he's died and rose again for your sins and you're trusting in him alone. And even through your failures, you're trying to repent of it. And you are just, you're just saying, I'm not perfect, but I'm striving after him. If you're doing that, 
That's all that we need. And I would just challenge you to say, you don't have to disqualify yourself. If you've learned from your mistakes, then you have something to teach. And you have, we need you. I need you. So let's just start there. So many more men I could point out, but I just want to challenge you. Who comes to your mind? Think about that. The danger is that in the church, we could have uh, disunity, not even meaning to, but you could basically have this pocket of people. They're, uh, they're the 20-somethings. We call them the young professionals. You got the young professionals and you've got the youth and you've got the young marrieds and you've got the married with children and then you've got the empty nesters and you've got this group. And look, I do think that it's important to give focused attention to different demographics. The only, the danger is, is that we don't know one another if we only ever stay in these pockets. And I'll just share this from, from what we're trying to do at Crosspoint. We're desiring to bridge this gap. An event not too unlike this right here. This is an incredible showing, I just wanna say. But where we bring young professionals and what we call our empty nesters and come together and just share life together and you realize, man, I'm just like you. We're just different places on the road. And once we do that, we see that relationships begin to flourish and blossom. But it starts somewhere. And that's why we look at Paul and we look at Timothy. We have to realize where it begins. Relationships like this um, don't happen overnight. And when you watch this relationship develop between Paul and Timothy, the affection is backed by history. It is backed by experience. It is built, it is developed, but it did begin somewhere. Before Paul and Timothy ever knew one another, they were both following Christ. You guys know Saul, the killer of Christians, as zealous as you get, as Jewish, as, a, as reputable as you can be as a Jewish man. God rem remarkably transforms his life and all of a sudden the enemy is now on your team. <laughs> He took the step down from a coasting, easy life as the, the persecutor to step into the wrath that he helped stir up because he knew Jesus. That's Paul. Not a perfect man, but he's, he's a Christian. Timothy, on the other hand, had a mother and a father, but the father, his father was Greek. Paul tells us, tells us in 1 Timothy, and in 2 Timothy, he gives us little background information, but he says, remember, you, you have the faith that I saw in your mother and your grandmother, who were Jews, who, who would come to know Jesus. Both were walking with Christ before they ever met one another. And I think that's essential for unity. Here's the deal. I don't know most of you in here, but if you are in Jesus and I'm in Jesus, we have the most fundamental thing in common. And that's gonna be the same thing. If you show up at Brookwood on a Sunday morning and you're just walking around and there's a stranger or there's somebody and you're like, I mean, I could go up to talk to them or introduce myself, but I don't really know what to talk about. I mean, the fact is you do know this about each other, that by God's grace, you've both been saved from wrath unless they're not, a Christ, and not in Christ. Either way, you have the most essential identity the same, that you are sinner saved by grace. 
and you have the same purpose. And if you can start there, that's where relationships can be established. Paul was on a second missionary journey. If you were to go to Acts 16, um, you guys don't have to flip there. I'm going to, to read this for us. But Paul is, is on his missionary journey when he comes across Timothy. Acts 16, one through five says this, Paul came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. As they went their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Now, I know what you're wondering. You don't have to circumcise um, another younger brother in Christ. This is a really interesting. I, you know, this is New Testament and he's, I don't know. Praise the Lord, that's not part of the plan. But he sees this man, he's like, you're reputable. You're, I've heard of you. And I want you to come along with me. Paul invited Timothy into his life, into his journey. And we'll see that he utilized him in really strategic ways and became one of, if not his most valuable, important partners in the gospel. But it started somewhere. They're both following Jesus, They're both following Christ, a faithful disciple. And they come across one another and he's like, hey, I see something in you. And maybe right now in your minds, there's somebody in your brain, you're thinking, this person's coming to my mind. It doesn't mean that you're perfect, they're perfect. It's just somebody might be on your heart right now who you can think of that you could say, man, I could invite them a little further into my life. Not because I got all the answers, but because it's important that we have these relationships. It's important to display unity. It's important to shape one another. So I don't know, someone may come into your mind, but here's Paul, he sees the opportunity, he takes it. He brings them into his life. So what's the concept there? First, what I would say would be, we've gotta be walking with the Lord, not perfectly, but, but genuinely. And then secondly, we've gotta have our eyes open and be ready to initiate. Don't wait for it to come to you. Don't have the, if we build it, they will come mentality. It's easy, listen, I'm on a church staff. It is easy for us to plan something and think, okay, if we plan it, open the doors, it'll happen. Not necessarily. You know what the best way for ministry to happen is you and you, 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 uniquely going back to the place that God has you in his sovereignty, having built you uniquely the way that you are, giving you the unique relationships that you have, and then you saying, Lord, okay, who? Who do you want me to reach out to? And you reach out to them. As you're pursuing Christ, you reach out to them and initiate. And it could be as simple as, hey, I've, you've been on my heart lately and would wonder if you'd want to grab coffee sometime or grab a breakfast before work. I think it'd be cool to to catch up, hear your story. That may be a starting point. Maybe it develops and say, hey, I would love to uh, walk through the Bible together or I'd love to this or that. But that, 
that's, it takes somebody to step out to have that relationship. And if I were speaking to 20-somethings like myself or 30-somethings, I would say the same thing. I'd say, guys, don't wait for relationships to just come to you. Pray, seek the Lord, pray, open your eyes and initiate and step out there and, and, and know that we need this kind of unity for the sake of the gospel, for the strength of our church, for the advancement of the kingdom, for the, God's glory ultimately. So my first thing is walk with the Lord. Second thing is have your eyes open, prayerfully initiate with somebody. Maybe somebody's already come to your mind. I had to kind of develop, I mean, I had to come to a point where I saw the importance of this. I mean, like I said, I was working with college students. I went to college and I always knew the value of relationships with men. I mean, I told you some of these guys in my life, but it was very tempting and easy in college to kind of insulate myself from men. So as I got out of college and I began to intern at the church that I now work at, I had to choose to step out there and find common ground with someone not like me. And I tell you what, as I've grown up, now 31, when I see a 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old man, you know, God's matured my perspective for me to see them and say, Lord willing, if I make it that long, that's going to be me. I mean, I, and now I can kind of look at you and say, we have different backgrounds, but we're just on the same journey. And we, you know, we, you were once my age or, you know, that kind of idea. And it, it helps me to relate to others. So for you, if you were to initiate a relationship with someone younger, potentially, you can just see, um, maybe they don't yet, maybe they're, just be, be aware that they could potentially be uh, <clears throat> unaware of their need for that relationship or secondly, they could be intimidated, but you as, a, as the one with kind of the, the foresight can see, but this is good for the two of us, this is good for the both of us. If, if they're desirous and willing to meet together, then I say pursue it, helping them along the way. This is why the first one's so important, guys. If we're not walking with the Lord, I'll pause and say this, if we're not walking in intimacy with God, if we're not repenting of sin, we, I don't want someone in my life, like I don't want them seeing me up close. That's just the fact. If I'm wrapped up in some kind of sin, I don't want you to get too close. I'm not gonna ask you questions that I don't want you to ask me. I'm not gonna ask you if I'm viewing, are you viewing pornography, are you this or that? Like, how's your purity? How's this and that? Like, because I realize you might flip that right back on me. We're not gonna talk about what we don't wanna be asked about. When we initiate relationships with other people and we get into mentorship relationships, it calls us up. It, it does call us up. It doesn't mean you gotta be perfect, but it does call you to step up. But that's where we ought to be as men. And when we fail, we humbly repent and show them how to repent. Hey, I'm struggling here and I'm gonna ask for your prayer but I'm fighting. I'm fighting for my marriage and my family, but I, I just want you to know, brother, I've, I've failed this way and this is why I need you. You know, you can do that with a 30-year-old. And that's just what I wanna say. We've gotta be walking with the Lord, not perfectly, but Paul tells many to follow his example, to imitate his faith and his manner of life and his walk of life. He tells 
follow me as I follow Christ. And that's something I don't know how many of us would just boldly say to do right now. I wouldn't just be like, hey, watch my life, do everything I do. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way. Paul could say it, but that didn't mean he was perfect. You just be walking genuinely with the Lord and be real. Don't try to be cool. Don't try to be someone you're not. Just be genuine. And that authenticity, I'll tell you what, the, the people of, I mean, 20-somethings, 30-somethings that I've seen, that I've gotten to know, I think authenticity, this is going to sound ironic with the age of social media where you can build a fake you, but I want to say this, there is a, there's a genuine desire and hunger for genuineness and authenticity. And so my encouragement to you is you don't have to be anyone you're not. You just be who you are. You be who God's made you to be, and you just be walking with the Lord, having your eyes open, prayerful, and take that step, initiate, and then you might ask, well, what do I do next? Well, the next thing you do is share life together, building relationships on the foundation of the gospel. This is what Paul does. He builds, he builds his relationship with Timothy on the foundation of the gospel. Paul refers to Timothy as a lot of different things throughout scripture. But one of the ones that he does, I mean, pretty often is brother. He calls him brother. Here's the deal. If you're in Jesus, if you're in Christ, you are my brother. I don't care, I don't care how old you are, what's, what your skin looks like. I don't care where you've been. I don't know where you're from. If we're in Christ, we're brothers in Christ. And when it's all said and done for all eternity, I'm gonna worship at the throne alongside you. No better, no worse than you. Sinner saved by grace. That's the kind of unity that the cross levels us and has. That's the kind of foundation that you can have with any person, no matter their age. Bottom line, you both need Jesus, you're saved, and you're pursuing him. The, the gospel does establish a unity that is uncommon to the rest of this world. Paul calls him a co-worker. How cool is that? Like, so Paul is this older man sees Timothy as, as a son, but as a brother and as a co-laborer. What does that tell you about Paul's perspective? It tells me that Paul's perspective was about the kingdom because there's work to do. It tells me that Paul's not just thinking about his tent-making business. Paul's not just thinking about his savings and his retirement. Paul's not just thinking about comforts and the next thing to buy or the next thing to get. Paul is thinking about the gospel going to the ends of the earth and God being glorified, disciples being made. That's his mission. And he sees Timothy as a co-worker, a co-laborer in that. And that's where I'm saying the, the gospel's our foundation. As you engage with somebody, realize that the reason we begin these relationships is to strengthen one another in this work of the ministry. Every one of you is a worker of ministry, wherever you are. So pastors equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You guys are the real ministry and you're out there and you get to help other brothers in Christ, younger or older, in this endeavor to make disciples. The gospel's gotta be the foundation. Listen to what he says in Philippians 2, 19 through 22. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him 
who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy's focus, or Paul's focus, is his lens is, hey, you're a brother in Christ. He's remembering their identity. He says, you're a coworker in Christ. So he's remembering their common purpose. And he's like, you are invaluable to me. You're genuine. Your heart's after Jesus, just like mine. As you pursue relationships, you want you to you establish that relationship on the basis of the gospel. Again, we have friendships with one another, but the only reason we're all in here right now is because of Jesus. Why else are we here? If we are not here because of the gospel, then why are we here? And when it comes to any kind of relationships, you can have a relationship with anybody, any brother in Christ because of Jesus. And that's gotta be the foundation. I'll tell you what, I had a friend named Dominic and he and I would not normally be friends, honestly. I mean, we were just very different things we're interested in. Um, not a lot of common things. And it was a mentorship relationship that began that for a while I was like, man, what? Like, we would not just hang out normally. But the more and more time we spent together and the more we talked about fighting sin together and the more that we prayed for one another and the more that we just shared details and opened up our lives together, he became a super close friend. And still, if you looked at us and thought about our lives, you'd be like, no, nah, I don't really picture them as being, as being good friends, but he has become a sweet and dear brother to me. And so that's what I would just say, that this gospel establishes that kind of unity that the world doesn't understand. A couple more things before we go into some table discussion. Ask the question, how did they develop depth to their relationship? They developed depth through investing their lives. Like I said, when Paul came across Timothy, he said, hey, come along with me. And then Paul started to send Timothy out on different missions, essentially, bringing him back to report news, share life with him. And Paul talks about his heart breaks and is in anguish, and he's praying, he's praying constantly for Timothy, considering his, his welfare. He goes before him um, in 1 Corinthians 16, 10, he's like, hey, Timothy's coming to you. And essentially he's like, you take care of him as if I were coming. I mean, he's that kind of protective love for this man who's not even his true son, but he's, he, he's built this affection through sharing life. And if you think back on the guy or the man, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys are willing to share. I'll let you if you want. Has someone impacted you so greatly through opening up their life to you that's it's changed your life forever? And it's made you want to be that kind of man? Is there anybody in here you'd be like, yeah, I've got, I've got that story. That man was so, he, he opened his life up to me so much. He brought me in that it's inspired me to be that kind of man. Is there anybody who's, I won't make you say anything, but. I'm just curious if any of you are like that. Yeah? Got a man? What's that? Wow. Right here in this room. Who've opened up their lives and shown you something, you know? 
Are they perfect? No. But they open up their lives. <laughs> to you they are. Who else? Is there anybody who's been so impacted by somebody? You? Anybody? Do you want to share? Mark Taylor. Is that this Mark? Or is this a different Mark? That's, are you Mark Taylor? How has Mark Taylor impacted you? There for you in your worst. Anybody else want to share? How about you? Uh, Dr. Mike Collins. Dr. Mike Collins. Back here, he's, uh, I can come to him and, uh, and, and, and tell him what I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. And then he has a way of putting it. He doesn't make my struggles look like, why am I talking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Anybody else? We have the opportunity. I just want you to really walk out of here thinking you have the opportunity, not because of anything of yourself, but if you're in Christ, you are qualified to impact someone else by just opening up your life. And letting them in to the point where you're like, you know what, here's my struggles, but here's how I'm fighting. That's what we got to see. How are you fighting to walk after the Lord? Not how are you walking perfectly? Nobody in here would be worthy of that. But how are you, how are you battling to walk with Jesus and let others in on that? And I would just say as a 31-year-old, that includes the, those who are not in this room. Go to them. Make the initiate, take the initiation and just make that happen. If the Lord puts that on your heart, you don't have to be perfect. Nobody wants, we're going to see right through that. Just like you see right through me, you see right through, we see through fake. But if you're real and you're just trying to walk with the Lord, I'm telling you, don't disqualify yourself. And I'll show you, I, I want to encourage you with this. If right now there, there's sin in your life that you're aware of that's holding you down and you're like, well, but he doesn't know about this, or this is the thing. It could be pornography, it could be a relationship, it could be infidelity, it could be an addiction, it could be something that we all have our struggles. If you need to bring that to light, and you do, you need to bring that to light, we all need to bring that to light, my prayer and encouragement to you is to take that step. Satan works best in the silence and in the darkness. But when we shine light on our sin and we say, you know what? It's true. It's true I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. It's true I'm not perfect. It disarms him. There's an incredible song, and I won't get to it now, but there's an incredible song, Chain and Chain, saying called Embracing Accusation. And essentially it just says this. It says, the devil singing over me the age-old song that I am cursed and gone astray singing the first verse so conveniently over me, he's forgotten the refrain, Jesus saves. How powerful. I tell you what, we're not gonna open our lives up to others. We're not gonna step out there, we're not gonna initiate relationships if we are living in condemnation. But that's the gospel, y'all. We're no longer condemned in Christ. And I'm gonna call you out of the darkness and whatever that sin is, whatever might be entangling you, into the light, confess it to a brother, Cast off the sin that's entangling you. 
Walk forward into being the man of God that God has made you to be. And watch how he'll use you. An imperfect person who someone would say, your life has impacted me. Every one of you can be that kind of man and probably are that kind of man. But I just want to tell you, that's what it takes. Paul was not perfect. He called himself the chief of sinners. He says, I don't do the things I want to do and I do the things I don't want to do. And yet we look at him like he was next to Jesus. Any one of us in here can make a great impact and can be a mentor, can be a leader and, and receive so much from that relationship as well. It's not a one-way thing. Finally, I would just say this, they, they encouraged one another. They, uh, Paul countless times tells Timothy his identity. One of my favorite things as a new believer in for, when I was a teenager was in 1 Timothy, um, Paul says, 1 Timothy chapter six, he says, but you man of God. And I just remember that. I'm like, wow, think about that kind of affirmation that you've had in your life. When, when, when an older man says, son, you're this, this is who you are, or you're a man of God. It just, when a coach does that, when someone has affirms you, think about the impact that makes. And you have that opportunity to make that impact into someone else's life affirmation, affection. He says, I'm affectionately desirous of you in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. In a brother, in a, I mean, in a father-son kind of way, but we grow in affection for one another the more we walk with one another in this life. They cared for one another. Paul, Paul didn't just pour out into Timothy. Timothy poured out into Paul. We don't see as much of that in the scriptures, but we do know that Paul was encouraged by Timothy. And I've heard so many of you men in here who are in a mentorship relationship where a lot of times we can think, okay, well, the mentorship relationship's for the mentee. So it's the mentor pouring into the mentee. And while that's true, I can't tell you how many, I mean, Jack and I were talking and it's just like, every time I talk to a mentor, they tell me how much they're being blessed by the mentee. Like, it's just the truth. And that's what these relationships are. It's not a one-way thing. So I just want to encourage you with this, that you're qualified in the gospel if you're fighting sin and you're trusting Jesus. You can pour your life into another and make a great impact in the way that you've been impacted. And you will receive great benefit as well. You might find that you feel the one, you feel like you're the one being mentored or blessed. It takes initiation and it takes faith it takes boldness, it takes prayer, um, but it doesn't take perfection, it doesn't take fake, it just takes that step of faith. And, uh, and in the end, what's the result of this as we look at Paul and Timothy? Well, Paul, in some of his last words, tells Timothy, he's like, he's leaving his, he's about to die, and he's leaving his legacy behind. And he's saying, listen, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, he says, essentially, if I summed it up, it's, hey, you've watched my life, my doctrine, you've heard my teaching, you know my ministry, pass on what I've taught you to faithful men who can teach others also, who will live this out. He says, listen, I'm passing the baton to you, I'm about, to be, I'm about, I'm about done, I'm passing this baton to you. We have all been passed the baton through the previous generations. 
we must pass that baton on to others and uh, we must carry it ourselves. And um, in the end, we want to see this, we want to see men of God strengthening as men of God in relationship to one another across generations, families strengthened because of stronger men, churches strengthened because of stronger leaders, stronger men, stronger families. We want to see unity displayed that's uncommon to this world. We want to see the kingdom go forth because of these stronger churches and their witness all the way ultimately to bringing God the greatest glory that he can get, that he deserves, and there's a whole reason you're breathing in the first place. It's all there. We've got to see the end to really find motivation now. It's for God's glory, and he wants to use us. He wants to use you. So as we get ready to go into table discussion here, I want to leave you with that. You can be used right where you are right as you are, who you are. And there are a lot of us in here who may be the first time here. You may be here for the 22nd year. But the fact is, if you're in Jesus, you have all things in common. And this is a, you look across the table from you, you don't know your brother yet, but you know that they're a brother. And here's the deal. Let me share this. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I know that I speak on behalf of this church as a brother in Christ. We want nothing more than to you know true life. I don't say easy life and I don't say everything you can ask or imagine or wish, but true life through having a restored relationship with the God who made you. He made you. And in his sovereignty, you're sitting here and you're hearing this. And this isn't just for everybody else. This is for you. We want to call you brother in Christ. No one in here is better than another. Not a single person. I don't care. I'm not better. No one in here is better. We're all sinners in need of Jesus who are trusting in him alone. I don't care anything else. That's who we are, every one of us. And you can know the same Jesus who made you unique, who, who came to this world, who died for your sin and for my sin, who rose again from the grave, showing that God accepted his death for our sin and has raised him from the dead, showing that he is really God, that God's really accepted us. He's accepted his payment of death. And now he offers us forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done. That's the gospel. And it calls us to repent, to turn from our sin and to surrender and say, you know what? I've done a whole lot in my life. I don't deserve this grace, but I know I need it. I know I need Jesus. And you turn away from your sin and you confess, Jesus, I need you. I know I'm sinned, but I trust you. That you, in your life, death, and in your resurrection, you've paid for my sin. Talk to one of the leaders. Talk to the leader at the table. Talk to one of the pastors. We want to call you brother in Christ. That's... I'm sure the heart of any one of us who are in Christ. So um, walk out of here encouraged tonight. I hope you will reflect on the men who have shaped you. I hope that you will reflect on the God who made you and who calls you to be that man in someone else's life. Uh, I hope that you will not give your ear to the enemy who wants to disqualify you. If he brings up sin, admit it and say, yeah, but that's what Jesus died for. Repent. <laughs> 
and walk in the light with brothers and we will, we will grow stronger together in the light. So you'll see some questions at your table and uh, I'm gonna come sit down and join you guys in just a second. But here are a couple of questions. Number one is why do older and younger men need relationships with one another? And how did we see this play out between Paul and Timothy? Um, secondly, what are some hindrances that men face that prevent them from seeking these relationships? And how does the gospel enable us to overcome them? This is where I've asked table leaders to help you get, don't just talk in generalities. I want us to really actually let this touch down on our lives. What are hindrances in your life? that might prevent you from seeking deeper relationships, whether it's right here or whether it's even the, those younger generations or older. And then how does the gospel address that? Third, um, how do you desire to grow in your relationship with older or younger men? Take a look at your relationships and say, okay, well, am I investing in anyone? Am I being invested in by anyone and then ask the question, what is an action step you can take this week or next? You know, just like, what's the next step? What's something you can practically do? And if you are really daring, ask a brother to hold you accountable. And then finally, we just want to spend time praying because we know that nothing meaningful, meaningful will really happen without God doing it. Um, we know that what we've talked about and what we're going to talk about is God's heart, as we see in scriptures, but... We can't manufacture what only God can do. And so we'll spend the time praying and just saying, God, we know your heart, do this and use me to do this. To see more and more godly relationships develop among the men at Brookwood, no matter their age or their background or their color or their whatever. To see that we are unified in Christ. So I'm gonna pray and then uh, table leaders will hand it over to you unless these guys need to come up. Straight to the table? All right, so straight into our time. Um, let me pray and then we'll begin that. Our Father, we do thank you that we, we can come to you only because Jesus has made a way, um, because the veil has been torn, because Christ is our advocate, the Spirit is with us, and you love us in him. And so I just pray for all the men here that as we get into this table discussion, I just ask that we would be vulnerable, we'd be real, we would not fear what others think, we would all humbly and yet confidently find our identity in saying we, we're no one's better than another. We're sinners in need of Jesus and yet we're, we're saved by him through grace alone. I just pray that we'd get real with one another, Lord. And for those who are visiting for the first time, I just ask that you would um, give them courage to speak and to come again. And uh, for those who have been here, I just pray that they would seek and reach out to those who are, maybe they don't know. And God, would you, would you strengthen the men here in your church here at Brookwood? And we thank you for these, these men in this time. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. What a powerful message. If you were encouraged by this message, you can learn more about our men's ministry and other adult ministries at Brookwood by visiting brookwoodchurch.org forward slash adults. 
or you can find all of that on our Brookwood Church app. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week.